Hello, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to a live Kerfeffy break on Deep Program with Carrie Smith. If it's your first time here, this is still a new channel. We've been around three months now, two and a half months. Uh, so if it's your first time here and you like the show, please consider subscribing. Um, Tiger's begging to get up. This is Tiger. He wants to say hello. Uh, today is Monday, May 23rd. And thank you for joining us. I have one quick announcement, then I'll bring on my friend. Um, I'm going to be speaking on Friday, June 10th in Austin at the Austin Public Library with Megan Murphy. It's an event that she's putting on um, along with several other women. It's an event about women who've left the left. And it doesn't mean we've all ended up at the same place, but uh, it's going to it should be an interesting panel. Michelle Evans is going to be there um, and a whole bunch of interesting women. So if, if you want more info on about that, I'll put the link in the description of the video. Um, so without further ado, please welcome my friend, Jared Bauer. Jared is, hey, Jared. Hi, Jared. Jared is the co-founder of Wisecrack, which you guys may know, uh, for, if you ever saw any of the very popular thug notes, thug notes videos, which were back in the day, say, back in the day, a mix of comedy and sort of like Cliff Notes, but with comedy. Yeah, it was like Cliff Notes meets Chappelle Show or something like that. Yeah. And you've since, we did a whole interview about how you've since moved on from yeah. Wisecrack. And are you in an undisclosed location or are you? No, I, 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 live, in, I live in Finland now. I work in, I work in games and gaming now. I've kind of moved on. I still do uh, social media stuff and content creation. I play games on Twitch now. I still make videos about movies and philosophy and stuff, but uh, much more kind of on my own time and doing kind of it for fun. And and really, um, I just, you know, we talked about like burnout and getting burned out about Los Angeles. And uh, I'm still like in this process of learning how to enjoy creating and writing again. So, uh, you know, I've been back on YouTube now for like six months and it's been a slow but a rewarding process. Yeah. Your channel for anyone who wants to find you, we linked it. Um, and I think pirate's going to put in the chat, but it's just called Jared Bauer and you have some very interesting videos. I watched the one that you mentioned to me about the philosophy of fashion and yeah. I thought it was going to be about, um, clothing. It wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of was sort of. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a little about, well, why don't you, why don't you tell people a little about uh, where that phrase comes from? It comes from Locke, right? Well, not the, I mean, Locke didn't coin the term fashion, but um, I think that it, really it's this, the term public opinion is what we're talking about. So we're talking about the Johnny Depp case, which I'm sure everybody uh, has some relationship with. And basically, uh, you know, I was surprised like everyone else was about just the in intense surge of almost seemingly, at least on the internet, unanimous support for Johnny Depp. And, you know, just, I didn't want to be a buzzkill or anything, but I just had to ask like, okay, but like, does this mania for support not seem just like the mania of me too? That was like, you know, this kind of unanimous support for, you know, the ambers of the world. Um, and so I talked about this book called The Spiral of Silence, which was just like the best book that I read last year. And so to be honest, I mean, the Johnny Depp thing was just kind of the MacGuffin for me to be able to talk about this book. But basically- And it's a book um, from the 80s, right? Yeah, it's a book from the 80s. It's been updated. There's like, I think it's on like the third edition now or something like that. But uh, basically the concept 
is well one of the concepts that they go through is uh Locke was actually the first philosopher to say that public opinion or most people's opinions are just fashion in the sense that you know I, I think that something you and I can both relate to is when we were in Hollywood uh it's very easy to think of kind of the there's like an ideological dress code you have mm -hmm. to like have a certain set of beliefs and you have to wear those sets of beliefs like you would uh you know tommy hilfiger jeans or whatever brand um and you know there's this whole element of aesthetics when it comes to just being cool and knowing what to believe and what to think in and so Locke, uh as well as other philosophers although the term public opinion i don't think really came up until maybe it was Locke, or maybe it was slightly before but just this general idea that most opinions and we are all in a sense uh just kind of reflections of other people's opinions and kind of one of the most burdensome limitations to our freedom is the uh requirement to conform to what is popular what is fashionable what resonates what other people approve of lest we be isolated and one thing that i definitely agree is he says most people fear isolation more than death or condemnation to hell mm. yes Okay, you're making me think of so many things. First of all, fearing isolation more than death. Ah, oh, there was this. Uh, I'm gonna mangle this. There was a sermon my pastor gave. This was maybe a month or two ago now, and in part of it, he was sort of talking about in the in the Christian belief system this idea that of of how you have to be born again, which which requires a, a death of a kind, and it's almost you could consider it in some ways a social death because your whole, your old identity dies, your old, sometimes social circles, sometimes people you hung out with and, and your idea of who you were that your ego in a way has to die and to be reborn. And he was sort of talking about the same thing that people fear that death of self and that death of everything they've constructed around ego and who they are more than they fear actual physical death. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, one of the scariest things in the world, I think that people's sense of identity and their sense of identity is always built around their community and how their kind of community forms this projection of how they understand themselves. Uh, that, um, yeah, that is the most important thing. That is something yeah. that people will defend more than, you know, the lives of their loved ones in some cases. I mean, yes. it really, it's like, that's the thing that I think really like, triggers people to get rage really makes them sink is when you're you're attacking my understanding of myself whether whether it be as a smart person a good person a noble person a person who is correct i mean um questioning that or making someone compromise their understanding of that is pretty much the most dangerous thing you can do to someone's yeah. mood or temperament so i had this i've mentioned this before uh, a couple times now so Sorry for repeating myself for people who've heard it, but I don't know if you, if you and I have talked about it. This friend asked me, this was several months ago, this question. It was like one of those would you rather questions. And it was about this. It was about public opinion and that fear of of dying in the in in the sphere of public opinion. And he he basically he was like, Would you rather have sex with a bear and nobody ever know about it? Or, <laughs> or not have sex with a bear, but everyone think you did. And I was like, what a strange example. Cause I feel like <laughs> having, 
having sex with a bear is like, how the fuck did you do that? That's fucking metal. <laughs> I mean, like, how did you tame that guy? How did you, you know, like, that's like, damn. This guy can tame a bear in bed. He must be a fucking badass. <laughs> I, I, would, I would just let everyone believe I had sex with a bear. That sounds cool to me. <laughs> uh, that's what I said. I said I'd rather not defile myself. You could substitute something else, something that defiles yourself or someone else, right? Right, okay. I'd rather not defile myself but have everybody believe I did because I'd rather suffer that ego death and have them believe this untrue thing about me and I don't know if that's always the case. I don't know if I always was like that. I don't think so. Um, and and I and what was crazy was he was shocked and he said he would rather he would rather defile himself and have no one know. And I thought that's so uh, that's such a, a that that's sort of where we are as a society. I think where everybody would rather not everybody, but I think public consensus. A lot of times people go that direction. They'd rather fit in with you know keeping up with the joneses and keep up public appearances but do something awful that they know they did and choose that instead rather than the public death does that make sense or I mean, do you agree yeah, it, 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 it does but i also try not to kind of lump myself as one who just because i'm aware of these things or because i talk about these things and i'm necessarily immune to it i mean i you know like the, oh the no yeah, I mean, the posture that we're talking about uh, in the book, uh, Newman, who wrote the book, she calls it the hardcore, you know, the people who just willingly understand that isolation is the price that you have to pay for authenticity. But like, you know, I'm someone who's very fortunate to have a, a very close and supportive family. And like, you know, I can't, I really cannot imagine uh, what my behavior or what my opinions or what any of my beliefs would be like if I didn't have that. Uh, at my back. Um, and when I say I can't imagine it, like literally, I just, I, I just don't know, you know, yeah. so I, 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 I don't really fancy myself as like, you know, these, like, in the video, I was talking about how like Cicero said that the people, the only way you can really make yourself completely immune to public opinion is through uh, exceptional self esteem and dedication to honor. And I, and I try not to, you know, like, just automatically label myself as that, because there are probably, you know, certain uh, social pressures that I am resistant to, but I'm sure there's many others that um, I cave to like anyone else would. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think, I think also if you start to think you're immune to certain things, well, you know, I'm a believer, so I'll frame it. I have to frame it from that perspective, but then I think you sort of get tested into, to see if that's really true, you know, or, or uh, you maybe find yourself in a trial or a situation of some kind where you realize, wow, like I wasn't, I hadn't conquered this thing I thought I'd conquered after all. Like this is, I'm really going through the fire now of death of ego or de death of that, you know, concern about what people think and learning to kill that same monster again, you know? Yeah. I mean, in, in the, when I started this new channel, I said like one of my big projects for the channel is authenticity and to try to strive to be as authentic as possible. But I don't really think of authenticity as like a definitive destination. It's just something that one probably can't actually achieve, but I just have to keep on questioning, uh, you know, like what are my real motivations here? Like what are really the outside influences that are determining my actions, you know? And of course I'm never going to be, maybe this isn't the right word because it's the name of the channel. Like maybe I'm never going to be a hundred percent deprogrammed. Okay. I'm never really going to have like, you know, complete spontaneous organic original thought. Uh, but at least I can just, you know, try to be as informed as I possibly can about 
the influences. Yeah. Well, that's why it's like a pra an exercise. It's right. it's a continual thing. It's like going right. to the gym. It's, it's a constant site of effort, definitely. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a side no, no, tangent. No. But um, when you were talking about in your video, which um, uh, uh, if you could grab that pirate at some point and, and link that video, uh, it's his most recent one about, about the Johnny Depp trial and public opinion. Um, you mentioned that there were, when you mentioned this sort of, uh, this sphere of uh, public opinion or what's in fashion, right? You, you, you laid out two other things before it that people are concerned with. And I'm trying to remember one of them was morality from God, right? Yeah. So and John Locke's, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, it's, it's his it's three laws of men or the laws that hold power above men. The first one, uh, being the laws of divinity i think he calls it which is yeah what whatever god you believe in tells you to do and not to do the second one being uh the law of men which is what the legal system tells you to do and not to do and then the last one being what he called the law of virtue and vice which he later just calls the law of fashion mm -hmm. um and um and yeah that this idea of fashion is really just frightening to me because uh you know you see it so often so you know again we I, I mentioned earlier already how it had such a significant obvious bearing on um you know my my career path in hollywood and just seeing how um you know I just saw people and, you know, I, I hate to really accuse people of being less authentic than me, but I mean, sometimes you just kind of got to call a spade a spade. And like, you know, there were people who were just like, look, I, you know, the thing about it is like giving up what you believe is so easy. It's like mm -hmm. the smallest thing to ask. You know what I'm saying? So like if somebody, and, and you know, when you, when you're at Holly, when you're in Hollywood and like everyone has moved there to pursue their dreams and so much of their identity, again, this talk about the importance of upholding identity and so much of their identity is uh, dependent on them making it, you know, that's their understanding of themselves. It's the, it's the understanding of themselves that all of their friends back home have that they're going to move to Hollywood and make it. That's the meta narrative of this person's life. And so, you know, if they're, faced with a situation where all they have to do is agree to some kind of a social position that they don't actually believe with, but they just have to pretend to or just actually adopt it. That's the easiest thing in the world. The hard part yeah. is actually getting the opportunity to get there. So, you know, um, I see I see that a lot. Um, I saw that a lot. And it was a little bit discouraging because, um, you know, like you, you want um, you want your friends and you want to, you want to believe that the people around you are fighting for what they think is right and not just what's easy for them. Um, but then also, um, gosh, what was the other thing I was going to say? So this is what I say about my brain not working. Um, <laughs> you're saying that, uh, yeah. that some people are less authentic in these, these sort of the pool of humanity. Yeah. Depending on which pool you're in. Well, you might right. come back to it. I'll jump in yeah, there. Yeah, sorry. That's sorry. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, but, but definitely I experienced that in Hollywood. There's all these different sort of um, ecosystems that you can be in. And and I completely agree. There's certain things that are fashionable in each one. And uh, I tend to jump around, or not like jump around that I'm in them, but I have a toe in different pools. <laughs> I guess I'll put it that way. And every time I stick a toe in a new pool, it's always interesting because I'm like, what? Like I remember when I first started going to a women's Bible study group at a church, um, in, uh, in Austin for a while. And there, there, people would talk about 
different things that they need need prayer for or struggling with or whatever. And I became aware that there was this whole, because I had been in the woke ecosystem, the, the woke echo chamber, where online keeping up with the Joneses meant virtue signaling about social justice before before it became like mainstream to do so and and it, but in my small ecosystem it was it was like that it was sort of you know you've got to be talking about the sexism and the racism and you've got to be posting certain things in solidarity and you know all the profile picture updates and stuff with the right flags for whatever cause and that was the way people kept up with the joneses yeah, then, I remember what I, I was going to say. Okay, but sorry, no, no, sorry. But okay. it's actually it's actually uh, relevant yeah. to what you just said. Um, okay, but on but I didn't want to cut you off. I also well, just like the, wanted the to final... say that I remembered before I forgot yeah. again. <laughs> oh no, Tiger! Ah, oh, it's the new mailman. It's all good. Uh, Give me all right, one well, second. I can just go while he woofs. Okay. Oh well, I'll wait till you get back. He actually has to get the door for the mailman. <laughs> By the way, in the chat, I saw Epic Mike gave some love to my first project. Appreciate you, bro. Okay. Are you, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. So uh, what I was going to say is that uh, in one of my other videos, actually the first video that I did on the Johnny Depp case, I talked about how um, I've been really struggling with the fact that there's kind of this dark, ugly side with the notion that being smart and being virtuous is cool. And when we talk about being cool, again, we're just talking about fashion, like with what resonates, what people approve of. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of people, especially people that are entering college uh, or that are entering the professional workforce, of course, that pretty much in, in, in any sector of your life, whether it's uh, just, you know, for social capital or you're trying to, you know, uh, make yourself look like a good candidate for a job, you want to look like a smart good person. And it seems like in a lot of industries, the kind of like the, the aesthetic of the left has monopolized like coolness of like being smart. Like people would say and parrot these like left wing talking points. And I'm not just talking about, you know, just, uh, yes, just regular people who like will say things like, I remember Back in the day, I had uh, an employee actually who once said on an interview we were having, him and I were interviewing this candidate, and he said that um, he, what was he said that uh, uh, he said that feminism without intersectionality is white supremacy. And this guy was a Harvard dude. And I, and I just like paused, <laughs> I just like, yeah. I paused the mic and I just said, you're a fucking idiot. And then like, I, and then I, uh, oh, so you know, couldn't we, hear we, you? Un, we, we unpaused. <laughs> no, 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 no. He was sitting, he, he was sitting next to me. It's the candidate that couldn't hear us because he okay. was just saying that to the candidate just to like, I don't know, just to like, you know, as a, as like a fashion statement, as like a flex, like a, a, a brain yeah. flex. Um, and then afterwards, you know, we talked about it and he didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about. And now we talk about this and laugh and often because he doesn't believe that. My point being, it's not only people like him that do these things, but it's actually like the philosophers themselves. There's another great book that I read last year called Fashionable Nonsense by Alan Sokol. I mean, it, it's it's where the term Sokol hoax came from. You know, these things that uh, like James Lindsay does a lot. Um, but I mean, some of these like like I mean, Baudrillard who is probably one of my favorite philosophers has like a handful 
of good books, but another handful of them are just fucking nonsense, just like absolute bullshit, just like, you know, like trollish poetry that literally is just like, I feel like him just literally being satisfied with himself about how close he can get to, you know, suggesting that there's meaning without actually producing any, like it's, uh, so this idea of like the aesthetics like, and of coolness and aesthetics of intelligence on the left, like people, there are so many people who just believe things like there's no, eth like these slogans, no ethical consumption under capitalism that people just say in the same way that they may, might wear a Lacoste shirt, even though, you know, maybe they don't know what Lacoste stands for or where Lacoste is headquartered. Not that that matters, but at least when it comes to these like uh, philosophical you know, mantras, there actually is supposedly meaning behind it, but people will just say it because they're trying to like accumulate social capital or trying to do perception. And right now the left has that monopoly, like mm -hmm. that entire, like um, that whole fashion line of intellectualism is totally caught up in knowing your kind of like left-wing vocabulary. And that's not yeah. to say that all of the left-wing academia is nonsense. I don't believe that at all. But most of the people who, quote, believe it, these regular people, uh, don't know what they're saying and don't believe no. it. And yeah. No, they're, no, anyway. I completely agree. Do you, I was going to interrupt you to ask, do you think the ones, some of the ones writing this nonsense, is it like Duchamp's um, urinal, the, the art? Is it like that? They, they know that they're there. You said getting up to the edge of, of saying nonsense, like how far can they get away while pretending that there's meaning there? No, I'm well, I mean, maybe some of them, I think in the case with like, you know, this like era of like Derrida and Baudrillard, I really just think that like they were in this clique where it was just like, you know, everyone's just trying to one up each other with just like how obtuse their writing could get and how cryptic it could be. And uh, honestly, I, that, that's what I think it was. I, I don't think they were really trying to make like this rebellious statement about the nature of, you know, intellectual thought being nonsense. I think that's more what kind of Sokol was doing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and people in academia that are pursuing academic careers, they get caught up in this, too. I mean, unfortunately, the line between, you know, um, especially well, really not limited to the humanities anymore, but especially kind of in the humanities. I mean, there is a very thin line between, uh, you know, like interesting discourse and just like complete nonsense. And, you know, it's a very, very competitive industry, academia, unfortunately. Yeah. And so people will just kind of like, you know, put as most the most anti-colonial terms possible into their dissertation in order oh, to yeah. get like an assistant professorship. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But then again, that probably has always existed and it probably exists to some degree in every industry. I mean, there's an element of performance in pretty much every element of life. It's just that, I mean, I, you know, I, I maybe get a little bit too sacred about academia because I think it's important. And so if ever there was a, you know, a, a setting that, you know, should fight this kind of arbitrary prejudice towards certain ideas based on fashion, it should be academia. Yeah. Um, just to f uh, finish my thought earlier about these different. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, I, I. When I was in woke entertainment, and I was in entertainment, that's how I knew you. But yeah. I specifically, I was in a different part, sort of, because I had sealed myself off in this echo chamber of just sort of uh, woke people in in that world. And yeah, and I, I don't I, know. 
sorry, I was going to say, I don't know how detailed you get into it, but you were like yeah. in the epicenter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jared yeah. knows me from back when I was a woke SJW and, uh, you know, working almost exclusively with woke comedians who were pushing this ideology in through comedy. Yeah. Some of whom were and very I funny. And I don't, I don't, and they're still working <laughs> and they're still like the leaders of this movement. Yes, that's true. I'm sorry. I think I choked on my coffee from earlier. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but when I first stuck my toe into, let's say, like this Christian ecosystem, or specifically this one that I was in in Austin for a while, I realized, oh, it's very different. Like the struggles that people have with fitting in and conformity and that whole keeping up with the Joneses thing, they're so different and foreign to me because I was coming from this world where everyone is virtue signaling about social justice and then, or like what entertainment, what high profile projects they're working on, you know, and, and what celebrities they're working with that world. And then, and then I was in this world where people were struggling with um, uh, pressure, you know, not wanting to give in to pressure to uh, uh, remodel their kitchens to make sure it was in fashion, like the latest style and, you know, the, the whole, uh, what's her name in Waco that remodels all the homes and has a whole home decoration brand. Uh, somebody in the chat knows oh, that lady. It's um, like a HGTV lady Joanna, or something. Yeah. Joanna and Chad something, but they have a whole line at target. And so I didn't even know that social pressure existed. That's why I was like foreign. Cause I wasn't in that world. So it was sort of like, Oh, I don't even understand that world. Like at that time, People that in that little echo chamber, it was sort of people felt pressure to have like the perfect pictures of like the perfect family and the perfect Christmas card every year and the perfect mantle and the, the make sure they kept things updated and what was in style in their homes. And that was it, it, it was a really different sort of um, ecosystem. And then I started realizing, well, there's all these different kinds of ecosystems. And totally. And but what sort of happened is because woke that ecosystem became so mainstreamed that I think it's bled over into a lot of these other ones now. So even some of those women I knew from that group um, have now sort of, now they're in a new ocean, a new sea, if you will. Um, they're a fish and this, this sea has changed around them. And one of them has gone woke. And now she's, instead of posting like the perfect Christmas cards, it's the perfect social justice messaging, which is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of things that I find interesting about that. One, I mean, another one of the things that I kind of reflect on about this is I think that like a lot of people um, of our generation and a little bit older and younger, we grew up in the Bush era where, you know, there were these figures like Jon Stewart coming out and there seemed to be like a much clearer division between the kind of like media savvy kind of more college educated like left-wing people who were critical of you know bush's war in iraq and uh then like you know the kind of like uh if you were a conservative you were either like you know speaking tongues at jesus camp or you were just like really into war or like a redneck or something and there are so many people who i think are kind of they they're holding on to that division so much there's this notion to them that like, no, 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 no. Like it always has been that the left was like the intellectually savvy ones and, and any kind of talking point from the right is just kind of like, you know, more 
kind of uh, or or left of whatever point, left of Lenin, whatever uh, is is some kind of you know kind of more uh, unsophisticated take, and I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of people that even though I think on some level their gut knows that certain things suspend nuance, like believe all women or something like that, that they say, no, 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 no. This is what the, the tribe that I have always known is the, the cool one, the right one, the mm -hmm. smart one, this is what they're pushing. And therefore it's correct. And um, so that's like another element of fashion in that, like, you know, because John Stewart, like, you know, kind of created this archetype of like cool and smart, yeah. you know, like not lame uh, that like, you know, people just, can't think past just the artifice of it and actually kind of evaluate the arguments on these sides anymore and really realize that it it has gone upside down it has become clown world like you know the the people that are the uptight ones are you know not the the <laughs> the religious right anymore um, yeah. and the other, the other strange thing is that like when I was, a, and, and you know, like I experienced some of this as well. Like when I was a kid, when, when, when I think of like the people who were really performative, uh, it was, you know, I grew up in Houston among a lot of religious people and it was the religious kids, you know, like this was when mm -hmm. the, the documentary Jesus camp came out, Yeah, everything, you know, like the virtue signaling back then was all about like, no, 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 I'm virtuous because Christ, I got a purity ring, you know, I'm like, you know, saving myself for Christ. Like, you know, I can justify my actions through the lens of Christ. So like, it's strange now that like that kind of like religious performativity isn't even really talked about or just looks tame compared to the kind of fervor with which people are kind of performing the kind of like, you know, left-wing dogma. Yes. You know, what's interesting. You say that this scares you, this sort of phenomenon of uh, the law of public opinion of, of fashion. And one of the things I was thinking about is that you also mentioned the, um, Ash conformity experiments in your video. And for anyone who doesn't know, those those were the experiments where they found, you know, they would take maybe six people in a room and and at, and they would show them a, a drawing of of a lot of different lines and they would have them pick out the longest line. And five of those people would be plants and they would they would all pick the same line, but it wouldn't be the longest line. And what they found is that the sixth person who they're really they're studying more often than not would just go ahead and pick the line that everybody else picked, even though it visibly wasn't the longest one just to fit in because that, 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 uh, how strong it is to be accepted socially. And, and those are really interesting experiments. And so something I've been thinking about is that if we want to change culture, like woke is currently culturally dominant and whether that means most people are woke, it doesn't matter because like you said, people go with what's dominant at the time. And so if all the if all the corporations are speaking it and all of the entertainment and the celebrities and the media and and the political parties and it's in the schools and and so people they stay silent. You talked about that spiral of silence in the book. So people stay silent, it becomes culturally dominant. If we want to change what's culturally dominant, we have to maybe it takes these hardcore people or it takes the, uh, um, in your video, you gave an example of. Yeah. The avant-garde. The, the, oh, avant the minnows. Yeah. The, the minnows. minnows. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it takes, it's going to take 
the people who don't conform to the ash conformity experiment, it's going to take those types leading people in this other direction. But here's something that happens if we start to win. I wanted to see what you think about this. If we start to win to change thing, the tide away from woke, you're going to see all of those people who follow start to follow, which is what we want, right? To leave woke. It's and then I think people are going to get angry. I saw this this week. I saw this this weekend on my my uh, Facebook feed. I shared a video of Bill Maher, who was saying something that's very true. He was talking about trans and kids, and he was talking about how Finland, for example, where you're at, has already banned uh, surgery on minors to change their sex until the age of 18, and Sweden has done the same. And he was sort of saying we're behind the times, and he said unequivocally, he's like, we are experimenting on children. Now, I think it's a good thing Bill Maher is saying this because he's helping to change the tide. And, and think of how many leftists watch his program. It's so important for him to say this. I don't care if he's being sincere or not, or if he's late to the party, or if I don't care. I'm glad he's saying it with his platform. And so I shared this and someone who's anti-woke was, I could tell was angry. And I, and I get it. I think this is a human emotion, but was sort of angry. And it's like, you know, stop being impressed by these people. And, you know, it's sort of like a, a, a dollar short and a day late. And, mm. I, and, and so what I was saying is if you truly want society culturally to move away from woke, you have to be okay with all of these people, this conformist coming along and following you, you're going to have to be okay with it. Let's say we win this culture war in five years. Are, how angry are you going to be then that it's not just Bill Maher, but it's all of what you think of as the sheep are now are now saying they're anti-woke too. Are, are you going to be angry or are you going to be happy that they conform to what you believe? Does that make sense? Yeah. I have not experienced anything <laughs> like that, uh, that, that, um, but I'll say a couple things. One, yeah, I totally disagree I, I, with that person's position that like, you know, a dollar too late, like whatever, you know, this idea that, I mean, it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be that there are sheep and I don't mean sheep in a derogatory way. As I said earlier, in some ways, I'm a sheep, you're a sheep, we're all sheep in certain ways, you know, um, now I actually think that the tide is already turning. Um, and maybe that's just because I've been away from America for almost a year now. But I mean, with Netflix and the new Warner Brothers CEO um, and, you know, Dave Chappelle essentially winning, you know, I, I think that the tide is turning. And honestly, I just think that all the people that used to be woke are just going to be pretend that they never were. Yes, they're just they going to pretend they're just going to yes. pretend like, no, 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 no. I never said that shit. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, I sorry, I forgot where I was going to go after that. But well, yeah. there's a human. I mean, it's there's like, a. It's a human. I think it's human nature. It's like when you're we're in middle school and and you you have that favorite unknown, undiscovered niche band, and it's just yours, and then it becomes popular, and everyone, including people you think of as like like that you don't like, maybe it's that this is that middle school phenomenon where suddenly you're angry that your favorite band became popular. Why? Why? Yeah, like, I understand right. that's a human, that's part of human nature, maybe, but you have to learn to, you have to get over that. I, I always talk about it like this. I don't care. Like if I throw a party, I don't care what time you get here. You, you can yeah, be a yeah, late yeah. comer because I want you at my party. 
because I think my party's righteous. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so, yeah. That that brings to mind two things. So, uh, one, the the other thing I was going to say is that, like, and, and in terms of like the uh, people expecting that, like, oh no, no, everyone should just have the ability to think independently and come to the right conclusion, you know, quote unquote, right conclusions, whatever that means them, themselves. That's never going to happen. And one of the things that I touch on in the video is that maybe it, it ought not to, because also like uh, the Rousseau quote that public opinion is, yes, it's the enemy of the individual, but it's also the protector of society. In the video, I brought up how like Plato, for example, uh, was against pedophilia, which was a thing in ancient Greece. And he said, well, we ought to, you know, use poetry, use art, uh, to basically form public opinion against it. And, you know, it's within public opinion that, like, we find our morals and our traditions, and, and that's how we keep these things alive. And um, it's also Rousseau who was, no, no, it was Montaigne who was also very specific to say that public opinion is actually quite specific to a time and place. So although some of the traditions that you might hold sacred are not held upheld by maybe some people uh, in different communities, but uh, like within a particular place like California or Texas or even your small town or your church, for example, uh, there still exists this uh, atmosphere of public opinion that does uphold those laws and keeps them from being questioned. Um, and then the second thing I was going to say is that uh, you brought up a really interesting example with this idea of like your favorite band. Um, and that's another thing that I think has kind of happened and does happen within academia that I don't think enough people are talking about. And it's also kind of relevant to fashion. And that is the notion that I think like metal, hard rock metal bands, like let's take Rage Against the Machine isn't really metal, but let's take Rage Against the Machine. You know, Rage Against the Machine, it's all about like tear down the structures, you know, fuck everything, you know, like, uh, you know, everything, you know, like. That's my favorite meant... song of theirs. I'm kidding. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, but, but, but the point is, is that like, I don't think Rage Against the Machine wants you to actually go outside and start burning buildings down and start dismantling capitalism. I mean, they've done very well for themselves. I'm sure they wouldn't want, uh, you know, you to actually collectivize all the money that they've made, etc. It's basically just like this ego expression, you know, that's not meant to be taken seriously. And I think that a lot of academics actually is the same thing um, that, um, you know, like, for example, I don't, although I don't think Judith Butler would say it, I think a lot of like gender issue, gender problems, her book is a lot of just like, you know, hey, you know, like, or maybe not her work, but some academics do kind of write in the sense of like, here's just how far I can take the yes. intellect. Watch how far I can do this. It's almost like kind of, again, it's like hard rock poetry, not something that should be taking 100% seriously. Yeah. And somehow that's broken down to where now people are going to these universities and being taught that like, oh, no, no, no. Like if we want progress, this is the actual things that need to be enacted as true, you know, not just like an interesting perspective or like, you know, almost like a you know, an interesting perspective that may like, you know, inform your decisions when dealing with people from day to day. No, this needs to be understood as universal scientific truth when really it's just like, you know, it's just the ego screams of a hard rock band. Yes. And so like, in a sense, a lot of these academics, like, you know, their band got too popular. A lot of them after they were dead. Yeah. That's a really <laughs> funny way of putting it. Yeah. You, it actually makes me think of though this phenomenon of being of being angry when people come around to your way of seeing things 
but in your opinion, they do it late or they've done it after you. They didn't do it on your timetable. It makes me think of what you were talking about in your video about how some people want to swim against the tide forever. They want to be the people who swim against public opinion so much so that they're still swayed by public opinion because they're going to take the opposite position no matter what. And I wonder how much right. of that is rooted there where it's sort of, hey, consensus has come over to my side now. I can't be on the side with everyone. Like I have to be swimming right. against it, you know, and there's always going to be a demand in the marketplace for dissent. I mean, if no one's yeah. dissenting against something, well, there's like an opportunity for a novel voice that someone could potentially fill. Um, so, you know, someone's always going to do it because, you know, there's always, you know, some kind of social capital to be accumulated for the the person that claims novelty, the person who gets there first, the person who says something new for the first time. Yeah. And so again, it's just more fashion. It is more fashion because then they're, it's sort of, uh, they're just as constrained by, by public opinion, by what's fashionable because they have to always be against it. It's, it, I don't, I don't know. It's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's that South Park episode where Stan wants to be one of the goth kids and he asks the goth kids, uh, he's like, I want to be a nonconformist like you. How do I do that? And the goth kid says, you just have to dress like us and say the exact same things we do. <laughs> oh gosh, Jared, I have this old, these, uh, magazines that I found there, these hardback magazines from the fifties and sixties uh, here at the Austin public library, when they, they sell, um, some of the books they haven't used in a while and for a really great price. Anyway, in one of these books, I'll have to take pictures of this and send it to you. There's a whole article about the beatniks. It's it's someone criticizing the beatniks. Oh, cool. And he's he's basically like, it made me think of the Wokies because he's like, oh, they're such nonconformists, but they all smoke the same cigarettes and wear the same hats and date the same girls with the same ponytails with the same, you know, edgy name. And it, it was just kind of tearing them down about how how they were the beatniks were actually conforming to beatnik culture, to fashion, to public opinion within that ecosystem. It's exactly right. What you're and, about. And, and, and so that's why I find it so frightening for two reasons. One, like I said in the end of the video, like the laws of man can be changed. The laws of God can be reinterpreted. But like fashion is essential to perception and essential to community, which are two things that will never be, you know, part of will never not be part of being a human. And so I don't just I, I don't see how we ever get out of this. And then secondly, like I just don't the, the idea of fashion, just the idea that things are arbitrarily like resonate and don't at certain times, like, you know, this color is cool this season, this color is cool the next season, even though there's really nothing inherently virtuous about one color versus the other. I mean, I don't really know how to, what to think about this is just literally madness. This is just like yeah. chronic madness on a large yeah. scale at, all the time. Yeah. I'm going to read, uh, we, we have one super chat. I'm going to read it from the gay rascal. Hello, sir says sorry to be late especially today i love jared oh Aww. thanks gay rascal i like the hello kitty batman is pretty epic <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much and then i just wanted to read these two these are not um super chats but i saw a couple comments scrolling by and this one made me giggle inside arnawa says it reminds me when you were talking about your friend who who spouted off something about uh Feminism without intersectionality is, is he said it reminds me of the early dinner scene in American Psycho. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, great... and, and, you know, I think that like a lot of times these people, there's just, I don't know, like we all do it. Like for, I mean, this is going to be kind of an obtuse example, but like, I don't know, 
Um, for example, you know, when I went to school, a science teacher told me that uh, all matter is made up of atoms. Now, I've never seen, I've never actually gone and seen an electron microscope, and I've never actually seen an atom. I just take their word for it. You know, um, it's not always smart just to just question power for power, you know, for the sake of questioning all power. At the same time, I feel like a lot of people really do not understand that something like, for example, gender ideology is just an ideology. Like it's not science. It's just like a random assertion, you know, that is like portrayed in a, you know, a poetic way, um, which is most philosophy. I'm not, I don't mean to just pick on gender studies. I mean, in general, I believe that if, you know, um, you know, gender affirming healthcare is actually the best uh, thing for an adult's mental health, then we should go for it. But like, you know, even like Hegel or any of these postmodern philosophers, it's just an assertion that sounds really good and kind of resonates with you. It is in a sense fashion. Um, and, you know, like a lot of these people who have been taught these things, they just like, you know, they, they make that same assumption that I did. It's like, well, I don't exactly understand how it, you know, that, um, you know, the exact theory, I don't exactly understand, you know, uh, what all of the poetic language exactly is pointing to, but in the same way that I just take for granted that if I did look under an electronic microscope, I would see atoms. They probably think, well, if I did understand the poetry, yes, you know, uh, it would make perfect sense and it would be correct because my teacher says so, which is the same appeal to authority that I lean on when it comes to atoms. And I know that's an obtuse example, but I'm just trying to be as uh, sympathetic towards what I hypothesize is going on with a lot of these people. Mm -hmm. uh, you're making me think of uh, when I was at science and math school and my physics teacher was telling me that, uh, that, oh gosh, I forget the concept even. I hated physics, but it was a, like, like if my hand's on the table, it's not actually touching the table, right? If the atoms are repelling then it each would other. be the table. Right. Then it would be the table. And I just told him, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. And he, he had a role, he was like, and then he got really angry at me because I was like, I just don't believe it. And he's like, you, what do you mean you don't believe? It's physics. And and yeah. he started, and so my nickname in that class became, I don't believe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I really was troll. like, no, I have a problem with that. Like, I, anyway. It's like um, if your mom tries to give you broccoli, say, I, I don't believe in broccoli. I, don't believe I, I just in don't it. believe it. I just don't believe it. It just doesn't exist. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Joanna Gaines was the lady. Thank you, Dawn, that I was trying to remember earlier. And you know, okay. I like I like her style. She's got a whole magazine and a, a network now, and and remodeling shows about. Uh, but she's got a certain style that you can look at it and just recognize it as Joanna Gaines. It's sort of the country farmhouse style with a, a shiplap that's been whitewashed and everything's white and sort of country, just country farmhouse. The the it's nothing nothing wrong with it. The point is that it's become very in fashion, and right as you were saying that scares you because there's no is it because there's no rhyme or reason to it like what when it comes well, it's, to it, yeah because it's just like it's just uh you know chronic madness that we've all become accustomed to is mm -hmm. really the best definition of fashion that i can come up with in in texas uh did you ever get out to hill country like where when all the I wineries are um, I mean, I've driven through it. There is a thinking of fashion. There's a, a, a dress code there now, and it's it's a unofficial dress code, like a lot of times they are. But this is one of these pools that I've observed 
where almost all the women, we my husband and I call it the 290 basic Becky outfit, but they have the same, it's the same outfits. And you'll see groups because groups will be there sometimes for bachelorette parties and stuff. And they'll all have, it's like matching pants. I saw the same thing in LA. It was just a different style, but the same pants, the same style boots, like riding boots, the kind of a sable color, the same hat, the same top. And just, you know, they could have gone, it's almost like they went into a shop and just bought the same costume and are seemingly unaware of it. I mean, it's like on one level, you're aware of it because you're choosing things that everyone in your social circle is wearing. But on the other level, on another level, I don't think they're even aware that it looks like a costume. Yeah. But again, like that's, that, that's also good, right? Like, you know, I can't, my, my girlfriend's Turkish. She's never been to America. She's never been to Texas. I can't wait to go there and show her all these girls in fucking cowboy hats. And I know. Like that. like, <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's culture, right? Like, you know, that's at the culture. same time, like public opinion is what culture is. And if it was just a bunch of like, everyone's, you know, wearing their own name, kind of like, you know, hyper individualist, there'd be no culture, you know, there'd be no Tex-Mex. I'm so excited to uh, introduce to her, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to those people that you described yeah. in, the, in the winery. Oh, yeah. Level. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily a diss. It's just sort of uh, seeing it when you and and then becoming aware of what your circle is like when you when you can see it in another one. If right. That makes sense. Because when you're a fish in the water, you don't see the water around you. But it's easier to see oh, yeah. like some other animal in their environment. I've also seen this yeah. play out uh, in your video. You mentioned public opinion and how it's easier for one in a place like Texas, for example, to not conform to mask mandates, for example. Uh, it's easier to do that here than it would be in California. And I've seen that at just anecdotally in, with friends. I had a friend who in California was one of was suddenly speaking very authoritarian things. And this is a person who had always been like punk rock and rage against the machine kind of against the system. Right. But it was suddenly like, no, no, we need men with guns enforcing some of these mandates and lockdowns and things like that. And it's like, where is this coming from? And I think it was because. Wait, you saw this, that in Texas. This was a friend who had been living in California for a very long time, but who oh. moved back to Texas during the lockdowns. And Perfect. after only a year here, everything out of the mouth changed. And, mm. and I think that's that function of being like, you're a fish in an ecosystem and all of us are, and we don't realize how much that ecosystem has an influence on us until we jump into a different kind of pool. I also think there's a reactionary element to what you're talking about. And, and in that, I mean, like, so, uh, so I, I was kind of actually one of these people. So when you got married, I was living in Texas. Uh, so basically it was like March, 2021. I moved from California to Texas and I was there for like four months. And then I moved to Finland where I live now, which hopefully does not become West Russia, but that's another, uh, that's another topic. That's another um, video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another video. Um, but, um, when I was there, I had like a screaming match culture fight with a guy who I've known since I was six years old, a guy who I love. And, you know, I, I would only really breach these subjects with someone who I suspect disagrees with me, with someone who I know that well. And, you know, and for part of part of me was just like I wanted to see how far we went with this. I was kind of trolling. But, you know, he works in like petrochemical engineering all of the people that he works with are very conservative, probably Trump voters. And I think that, you know, 
he probably has been pushed to adopt a lot of these kind of more liberal or liberal left-wing positions just out of a reaction to that pool that he's swimming in. And oh, I told yeah. him that I I tell you, if you lived my life in Hollywood for the 11 years that you've been working in petrochemical engineering, you probably agree with me because you just it's just a matter of what you see and what you get annoyed by. Yeah. And if you're one of those people who swim against public opinion, then it really yeah, matters right. like what pool right. you're in. So do right. you think to take it back to the 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 thing that prompted you to do this video? And again, it wasn't the thing, but it was something you could talk about. The Johnny Depp trial, the Amber Heard yeah. trial. I maybe I wasn't paying enough attention uh, when Amber Heard first made the allegations a few years ago, but I didn't realize was public opinion on her side at the time. So, I mean, only in as much as it was a Me Too story, you don't doubt Me Too stories. If someone were to ask you, did you believe Amber Heard? I mean, most people didn't even know who Amber Heard was. I didn't. I mean, Aquaman hadn't even come out yet, I don't think. Um, people would say yes. I mean, enough people believed it to where it ostracized Johnny Depp. I mean, that's that's why he's suing for defamation to basically, you know, it defamed him. It made him, uh, you know... I did do a little bit of research and I saw that there were all these articles, you know, like from Vice and Vox and stuff like that, uh, saying that like, you know, Harry Potter fans are not happy that Johnny Depp is in the new Fantastic Beasts movie uh, because of the allegations and stuff like that. So um, to be honest, it isn't something that I've been following religiously. Again, I mean, I'm being as honest as I can, more of an effort towards authenticity. Like the Depp case is just a MacGuffin. Like it was just something that made me think about public opinion. And I was like, oh, awesome. Now I can talk about this book that I love. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I, I have been, I wasn't following it as much back then. I didn't buy her story back then though. The few things I heard just because of a few other things I had seen with her behavior online. And currently you're saying that public opinion is on Depp's side. Um, which I would, I, I, I tend to think too, just based on the number, I, I wasn't sure if that was the case well, on the internet, on the internet is that I, yeah. cause the circle I'm in, it's definitely on, it's definitely on Depp's side, but do you think that's also mainstream public opinion is, is also. Well, it's a, it's a good question on just, you know, what even is mainstream public opinion these days? And I was thinking about taking the video in that direction also, but then it would have just been too long, but I mean, you know, like, yeah, there are like CNN articles and even uh, someone in the comment section of my video mentioned that in Sweden, like the the, the regular news is 100% on Amber's side. Um, really? But I, apparently, I don't know. And, and I don't watch Finnish news here in Finland, so I don't really know what's going on in, in that domain. Uh, but I mean, I, I just tend to think that the Internet, well, there's also like I want to say that the Internet is a, is a much better indicator of public opinion than basically the opinion of literally a handful of elites that are employed by CNN, New York Times, whatever the Finnish or Swedish news stations are. However, I'll also say that there's a whole algorithmic element to this as well. Um, it is incredible how uh, so my my YouTube algorithm has labeled me 100 percent a conservative all I get you know, <laughs> served are Fox News videos. You know, I have not gotten one suggestion for like ContraPoints or a philosophy tube uh, or any any of these lefty things, even though I've been on like lefty podcasts and stuff like that. Like the guy on my channel, 
uh, Diego Rosarin, um, who like we talk about movies sometimes, he's like the ultra leftist, but for some reason, you know, so, so like, again, like public opinion can very much just uh, not only be very local in terms of your actual physical community, but also very much an algorithmic community. So knowing what public opinion is, is very difficult. And that's also a very dangerous thing, because another thing that the book talks about is that um, people choose their opinion based on what they think public opinion is. And, uh, you know, for example, something inane, like, you know, if I typed in Star Wars The Last Jedi on my YouTube account, it's going to come up with all these people who are saying Star Wars The Last Jedi is too woke, it's bullshit, blah, 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 blah. But if like my friend Diego, if he typed in Star Wars Last Jedi on his YouTube uh, thing, and, and I don't know this for sure, this is just a hypothesis, it would come up with uh, like all of these, you know, like, oh, it's like uh, takes risks, it's daring, it's socially progressive. And then like, if that's what he thinks public opinion is, that's very much going to determine how he thinks of things. And of course, Star Wars is a kind of inconsequential example. But you know, when it comes to things like, you know, presidential elections or Ukraine or anything like that, it can, you know, be much more uh, relevant and important. Because then they're just showing you the things they think you want to see and you continue only seeing. Twitter's kind of like that too, although I think it, it that's more of a, a self-curated thing. And you don't, you don't use Twitter, do you? No, I yeah. don't. I can't. <laughs> they they do they see they rolled out this new feature i don't know how long it's been now I, I started noticing it a couple months ago where they will suggest things you might like and like tweets that you might like and people that you don't follow they'll just randomly suggest tweets and i was trying to figure out how the algorithm algorithm was uh figuring out what to show me because they seem to be showing me a lot of woke things mm. a lot of woke tweets and i don't know if that's because they consciously decided people tend to create echo echo chambers of, of, of people that agree with them. And so we want to show them someone like, are they showing the woke people conservative opinions? I don't know. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it could be that the algorithm is showing me that because I do follow quite a few woke people just to see what they're saying and sometimes comment on those tweets. And so they think I like it. I get, I don't know. Maybe they're confused about and, who and, I am. <laughs> and the measurements of these algorithms are so precise that like they may be suggesting it to you only because when you read one of those tweets, maybe you read it twice and the algorithm knows that, you know, and it's, I, or it's just, knows and, that and, I like and they, and they don't care whether you love it or hate it. It's just engagement, you know, so they're just yeah. going to keep giving you more. Um, because this is a Kerfreffy break and we do have frivolity here. When you mentioned yeah. the algorithm deciding what it is that you like, I was thinking about my YouTube algorithm and it pro it mostly recommends true crime and then random uh, other rabbit holes to me. Can I show you this rabbit hole? This is not Hell anything yeah. smart. This is just fun. That's fine. I, I discovered this new genre on YouTube this weekend, thanks to my husband. And we're going to have a bit of, bit of frivolity here just to show this to you guys. Let's see. Pirate had to leave, so I gotta I gotta figure out how to share my no, screen on my no, own. No problem. Here we go. Okay, you guys may have already seen this. This is apparently very old. Okay, it's called "This Drummer's at the Wrong Gig." Now, there's a whole genre of these YouTube videos of people filming drummers that kind of quite don't fit in with the band they're playing with. performed at the Texas Motor Speedway. It holds 350,000 people. And I tell you what, those 37 people that saw our show, sir, had a terrific... <laughs> It was a big 37, sir. They just made a lot of noise. But anyway, it echoed in there like crazy. One person yelled, just go... Woo! 
All right, this next one, though, Texas Motor Speedway, that's where we're taking you. The heart of Texas, the Lone Star State. This is by three Texas boys done good. Z, Z, top. A little something to feature our own resident. Have you, have you seen this, Jared? I have not. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The man is passionate. Look at all those stick tricks. Okay, now look. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, man. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Paristu is right, overqualified. It's like really impressive. <laughs> okay, just a little bit more cuz at the end he really gets like <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's the animal. <laughs> do you ever get copyright strikes for this? Because I would love to do stuff like this, but... I don't think so. Well, because it's, it's already on YouTube. Okay. Or not copyright strikes, but like uh, gets claimed or something like that. Oh, yeah. I probably can't monetize it. Got it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I wish they would just like pan to the audience because I'm sure there's like 10 people there. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> okay. Should I stop? <laughs> it's up to you. I was actually going to ask: has, has the algorithm ever like like kept suggesting things to you that you're just like, what the fuck? Like, why do you think that I would be into this? Uh. Like, I'll I'll give you an example. For some example. reason, my algorithm keeps suggesting to me and i guess this is like embarrassing to admit but like it keeps suggesting to me like these i, I don't know how much you know about video games but there's this video game called final fantasy 7 there was a remake of it recently and one of the characters did you did you hear that story that like earlier last or like late last year there was an italian senate meeting that got interrupted by video game porn no i didn't Okay, well, anyway, um, there's like this very highly sexualized video game character named Tifa. And for some reason, I don't watch videos about Final Fantasy VII. I don't really watch that many, uh, you know, videos about video games outside of like Elden Ring. But for some reason, like 
twice a week, I get re recommendations in my feed, like early in my feed for like these videos of like, you know, Tifa's new, like giant, like a mod that makes her titties like three times as big and they bounce more. And I'm just what? like, why the, why no. the fuck do they think I want to watch this? This is like, I got like on their incel list or something like that. And I'm like, God damn it. What have I done that Google has dad on me? That makes me think that, they, that they want, I, I want to uh, watch content about Tifa's boobs. No. Okay. So I don't get that. But on, on Twitter, as I mentioned, they, they will frequently now show me woke tweets and say, you might be interested in this. Okay. So they also started showing me tweets from some girl singer. I don't know. I am not, I guess it's some new fashionable. I don't even remember the name. So it's not that interesting, except that I specifically clicked I do not want to see this content anymore. They had a little thing there. Stop suggesting this. Next day, same singer in my feed again. And it's not promoted. It's not like a paid tweet oh, wow. where they promote it. It's They're suggesting it. So they've maybe added some pop stars or things to this section now too. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know who that is and I don't care. It's like K-pop or something. Like I don't, I don't mm. want to know. <laughs> yeah. So That's weird. Um, yeah. Jared. I've got one more for you. I have to do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'm going to send it to myself so I can pull it up on the screen. You guys, if you <laughs> if you have questions for Jared while he's here, feel free to put them in the chat. We'll read them. We're just, we're just having a good, fun, casual day now. Let's see. Okay. Thank you for humoring me. All good. Starting to think I, if I have anything funny to share. <laughs> well, once I went down this rabbit hole, then I was just looking for at more of these, and I'm just showing you the best ones. Okay. <clears throat> share screen. Okay, I'm very excited for this one. Have you seen this one? No. Is this like a whole genre of videos where just like the drummer's just too amped? <laughs> yes. And I guess... <laughs> you can already tell this is going to be good because she's singing my way, which is kind of a sedate song. Okay, guys, get ready. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Look at his face. He's like, 
The, the the framing with the guy with the guitar just like stone face makes it yeah. the contrast. <laughs> this guy's mouth is open so happy the whole time, like Okay. Oh, there's more. There's more. But there's more. Uh, okay, it. I have an idea. I have an idea of something to show you if you want some more. I guess what you would call frivolity. But um, so these days I'm in uh, marketing for uh, video games, mm -hmm. and it's a strange industry because uh, I've gone down some rabbit holes of like mobile game ads. You know anything about this very strange world of mobile game ads? Wait, are these the games that are sort of like choose your own adventure? Like, I've seen some of those. Well, they're games that are actually targeted towards you, like women, uh, like women okay. above 30. I guess women above 30, like they, they like to play these like weird horny games and like the ads that are. Can I just show you one? Yeah, show me one. Yeah. Do you know how to okay. share your screen? Yeah, I think I can. Hold on. So somebody says, I mean, the drumming is crap, but 1010 for her attitude. I will say, Jules, actually, because I dig it. Like I said, when I go down a rabbit hole, I really go down it. That last one I just showed you, that's a very famous, I think, Korean drummer. And he's been rocking like that since the 60s or 70s. And you can find videos of him like that. He's a very well-known um, drummer in Asia. And He's been doing that back when he had black hair before it was white, like Andy Warhol. He's been, Are that's you, his style. You're going to have to okay. add it. I, okay. This is. <laughs> oh. <gasps> Look at her butt. It's just like huge. What? This is so weird. Dude, these people click on this shit for days. <laughs> this is one of the uh, man, I you want you want to see more? I've got more. Uh I do because this is what I was thinking of, I think. I saw this on Facebook and I didn't know why this was showing up in my feed, these ads. And the ones mm -hmm. I saw, they were like that. It's like crappy animation. And it's some weird, the one I saw was about um, a husband and a wife and a, and a, they hire a babysitter. And mm -hmm, then it's mm -hmm, a choose mm -hmm. your own adventure about whether the husband has an affair with the babysitter or not. And it's weird stuff like that where you're selecting, like, what does the babysitter say to him? Yeah. Is, yeah. All right. I just put another one in. Okay. To marry this woman. Huh? You're so ugly. I only married you so you could have children. I have to make him love me. Let's go. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Yeah, people man. play this? Hmm? People this is so no, well, that's the other thing. Why the game is nothing like this. Uh, oh, no. I want revenge. Help me now. 
So we talk about algorithms. This also is like a whole nother weird side to this world of, of marketing algorithms, because that's what these ads are. They're basically just like, you know, they're they're as weird as it is. Um, they're like hacking algorithms by showing sensational content. Like think about it like um, so this is an app, right? And when you're downloading an app, it's, you know, like the, what the ad is asking you to do is very immediate. You know, you just press download. Um, think of it like the checkout aisle at the grocery store. There's candy, there's soda, all these things that appeal to your impulse. There's magazines about lurid stuff about celebrities and stuff like that. And so that's what this industry has become. It's become basically like the impulse stuff at the checkout counter, just like sex, cheating, you know, just bizarre shit that's just going to like make you impulse download. And that's what's winning on these algorithms. It's, it's so bizarre. They get so weird. Okay, so when I saw these, I was thinking, who plays these? Is it is it adult it's women? Adult women who pay. I mean, I hypothesize that they like they just spend money while like on the toilet, just like you know the precious few moments they have to themselves, and like you know they're just like, I mean, this is just a guess, but they're just like mm -hmm. in this moment of flow, they're in the zone, and like they don't want to go back to like their screaming kids or whatever, so like they just pay. These these I mean these company these games make stupid amounts of money. I mean you wouldn't believe it. Like this game, this this game that I've been showing you, uh, I think it's this Chinese game called Matchington Mansion, and on between on Android and iOS, it makes like eighty million dollars a month just on people. <laughs> what? Yeah, Wait. eighty million a month. They pay, yeah, they pay to play it. It's not a free yeah, game. on micro microtransactions. Yeah. I mean, the the I mean, the 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 mobile gaming industry is all based on microtransactions, and it just broke over a hundred billion dollars this year. It's a hundred billion dollar market. So that's basically like you're playing the game, and then like you get stuck, and you can only you have to like pay to try again, basically. Oh, uh, do you pay for any of those options, like where we saw you can like dress the woman, and that's one of the ads I saw that's where you a, can choose. Do you pay to? Like, I want to put that wig on her, but that one I have to pay for. Yeah, probably something like that, too. I don't really know. I mean, I, this is not the realm of gaming marketing that I'm in, but it's like those are like other. I mean, like we kind of, you know, I, I also run ads on like the same ad networks like Google and Facebook. I mean, that's basically if you're running ads on the Internet, it's on Google and Facebook. It's the marketing duopoly. So I'm aware of them. Uh, and so that's why I kind of got stuck down this rabbit hole, but, um, so I haven't actually played the games, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird world. And I always save the ones that are like crazy weird. Cause they get fucking bizarre. Are those your weirdest ones? Fuck, I mean, that's, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got some, I got for days, days. I mean, that first one was pretty gross at the beginning and he wasn't. Yeah. Even I, that's probably the, the worst one. Yeah. You know, I probably just like brought out the big guns just in case, you know. Um, oh, I can give you one other one. Okay. I mean, if you want. I don't, yeah, I don't... you guys, we're going to see one more disturbing, one more, one, weird one more. mobile game ad. Yeah, Don, I'm with you. <laughs> Don's right, like, I feel like it's... this is the end times. <laughs> yeah, it's in there. Okay. <laughs> Ha <laughs> 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 <laughs>
that so, okay i saw an ad for that one on facebook okay yeah because i'm telling you you're the demographic and people are competing for your attention people are are waging wars for your attention i'm actually this is a book i'm reading right now privacy is power it's about data and one of the lines that i highlighted which i thought was funny is she said uh, the, the the author carissa velez she said that the smartest minds in the world right now like the people that like are being like uh, you know, taken from MIT and Harvard and shit like that, like the brainiacs that the government doesn't get. They're basically training, like they're they're figuring out how to make you click on ads, like just how to and like as ridiculous as this ad is, like I suspect that it does very well, and I suspect that there's like some kind of like brain hacking going on here. Um, it doesn't make sense. Most of these ads don't make sense, but they wouldn't continue to be doing it if it didn't work. Um, I mean, even like some, I see some people in your chat saying, I've seen this one. I mean, you know how valuable that is for even like the smallest amount of brand recognition, um, you know, for a, a ridiculous mobile game that, you know, and these games are not expensive to make, which is why it's such a lucrative business. I mean, you know, again, like 80 million a month or whatever. I don't know the exact figure, but it's, it's up wow. there. Uh, it, yeah. It's also, it seems to be, it's also related to this, uh, like you said, um, they're studying impulse, they're studying short attention spans and high reward for a short amount of time. Like I'm sure that people are getting some kind of reward, like a dopamine rush or something like you do with a slot machine. They've got the yeah, sounds, they've got the flashing exactly. lights and they study the science of, you know, how to keep people playing slot machines and it, even pumping in pleasurable smells. Like they study the science of smell in a casino, you know? And totally ideal temperature, all that stuff. So one of your viewers, Jules, <laughs> said that sometimes it's just nice to zone out. And like, contrary to what uh, another one of your viewers, Raven, said above, do you admit that you have two digit IQ if you click on any of these? I think it's really more what Jules said. And that is that like most of the I mean, maybe it is that idiots click on it. I'm sure that's a part of it. But I think also an element of it. Sorry, it's like finally getting dark here. It's almost 10. It's almost 10 p.m. It's finally getting dark here in the Nordics. Um, but uh, I think that it's a lot of people who are just been just scrolling for hours, just getting that getting into that flow, just getting that dopamine hit, just trying to relax. And like, you know, they're just like eventually they're just like subdued to such a level that uh you know like maybe their iq gets down to two but really i think like because it's not the, these algorithms are very good at like priming you for a click you know like when i say that and by the way if we don't if you don't want to talk about this marketing shit it's not that in interesting no i do you like, i've got to tell uh, you about something next so like yeah. the thing about these when i say that you're the target demographic it's not only that these algorithms are saying like oh carrie is in the right age range you know like it's not only that they're competing for you and they're trying to like match the right product for the right person but they're also molding you um so what i mean by that is like let's say let's say this was like carrie you know as a teenager like as a middle schooler you know let's just i mean i'm, I'm just making assumptions like let's say that you were like uh an awkward middle schooler who was uh you know not confident about her looks these algorithms know that like all right we're gonna serve carrie five pictures of all of her girlfriends who have boyfriends and then we're gonna show her a makeup ad and that's going to increase the likelihood wow. of her click. Yeah. yeah, that's going to increase the likelihood of her click from 10% to 20%. And so it's not just a matter of like Carrie 
is a likely candidate to buy makeup. We're going to show her this ad. It's how can we psychologically manipulate her to the point where she becomes the viable candidate for this ad? So when someone, so like when Real Raven says, do you admit that these people have an IQ of two? Sometimes they've been, you know, like uh, kind of like pressured and like almost uh, like beaten up mentally until they become that prime candidate. That's what these algorithms are trained to do. You're making me think of so many things. Well, first of all, do you remember do you remember when Facebook came out and admitted a few years ago that they were they had run a study on Facebook users without telling Facebook users they wanted to see if they could manipulate mood of people through what people saw in their feed. And they yeah. ended up having to admit that they did this where they took a study sample size of people and they fed half of them, they changed their algorithms. So there was a group where they intentionally, they tweaked the algorithm so they mostly saw positive posts, um, like pictures of people's puppies and kids and graduations and positive news. And then the other one, they tweaked it so that in their algorithm, they mostly saw negative news. And then they did a survey to see their mood or something. Or they, oh, no, no, because they didn't know they were being studied. Then they, they saw it changed what they themselves posted. And right. which goes back to the conformity thing. But then you, then the people started posting more happier stuff or depressing stuff, depending on which of those study groups they were in. Yeah. I mean, the ethics, uh, sus the suspension of ethics at these companies is just uh, frightening. I mean, uh, but then again, like, you know, I'm kind of working for a company that like, I understand the model now. And it really is basically just, I don't think these people are mustache twirling villains. They're just so alienated from the actual uh like end point of their labor like they're just looking at numbers all day you know and it's so easy for them to forget that there's an actual human being at the end of this it's so easy to forget that like you know it could potentially be harming someone because all they see is like okay i press this button and the and the number went up or down you know yeah. and so like and that's that's just that's what the facebook people are doing that's what everyone is doing you know it's just you know yeah, it's I, I maybe I don't maybe it, Marx well, is still relevant, unfortunately. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it's his alienation one hundred and one. So one of my friends, who's a brilliant writer, she was recently looking for work. It was during the lockdowns. She was trying to get more writing work. Uh, there, there's this company that does, and I had never seen these before. Much like these games, it was something new that I just I didn't even know this had become popular. But apparently, it's very popular. And there are these story apps and they're looking for writers to write these uh, uh, very canned stories, but not long stories. It's basically an app where the woman, they're targeted at women or teenage girls actually, and they just scroll through. And the story examples she was showing me were things like, um, uh, you know, I mean, the writing was awful and it, and it was very much like, like a 50 shades of gray kind of stuff. Or a girl gets kidnapped and there's a bad guy and there's a good guy that's going to come rescue her. And by the end, you know, this billionaire rescues her from the trunk where she's been kidnapped. But the whole story, they have to swipe through like 20 slides and they're just given it in maybe paragraph form. I mean, it's not even a lot of writing, but they're paying people big money to write this crap. And yeah. uh, it, it kind of blew my mind that that's even, that that's something that people are consuming right now. But but I guess it makes sense. It's the attention span thing again. They want to, yeah. instead of reading a romance novel, which maybe 
used to be target used to be the thing that women would turn to for that kind of and i've read romance like somebody said let's not pretend like any of us are immune i agree we're not i've read romance novels but instead but that's like too much of it you need too much attention span even for that where they're like let's serve up this app with 20 panels and that's it you know yeah well and then imagine like if in the romance novel like you know they were about to get to the steamy sex scene and you had to watch an ad before you know there was like an ad on the paper that you had to watch for 30 seconds before you got to the page i mean you would sit through the ad and chances are by the end of the book you'd probably give the company more money than the whatever 10 bucks you paid for the paperback um and that's why this and that's exactly why this industry exists yeah this amazing oh my yeah. goodness so you're not actually involved on those games. You've just come across no. them in research or marketing. Yeah, because like, well, the thing is, is that like, even though I work on games that are not targeted towards that demographic and are not in like the, you know, telenovela, whatever uh, space, um, you know, I work on games that are more targeted towards people like me that play games. They still are from a, again, like a data perspective, they're paragons of success, you know, mm -hmm. like in terms of just like, you know, meeting numbers and uh, meeting certain success metrics, like I look at those ads and I say to myself, man, if I could just stoop to the bottom like this, you know, like then I would get the numbers and everyone would be happy, you know, and there, yeah. there is that there is that desire to race to the bottom on one hand. Plus, there's a part of me that thinks it would be just kind of fun to see how sick of an ad I can come up with. But uh, it's not it wouldn't be appropriate <laughs> for the projects I'm working on. Right. Like just how ridiculous. Well, th yeah. that's my friend too. I kind of felt, oh my gosh, how many brilliant writers like her are contemplating having to dumb down their writing and write this swill, this garbage for these yeah. apps because that's what's paying this format, right? Most, most writers. I mean, like, that's the thing. Your friend who wrote that is lucky, you know? She's mm -hmm. not working at Starbucks. Yeah. You know, she's she's getting she's paid as a writer, which is m most writers. That's like a fantasy scenario. Um, OK, well, I'm going to switch gears here and ask you uh, to tell me what Finland is like <laughs> and if you're having a good yeah. time there. I am having a good time here. Uh, it's very relaxing. It's very peaceful. Everything works. That's like the thing that the Finns said a lot at the beginning. It's like, you know, I like they, they would say, I like traveling to the U.S., but, you know, and eventually like, you know, you just want to get back to where everything works. And I would say that that's very true of Finland. Like the metro has never broken down once. My hot water has never gone out. My Internet has never gone out. Internet's a public utility here, so it's not expensive. Um, you know, I pay a shit ton of taxes, but to be honest, I'm paying just as much taxes as I did in California. Now, granted, I was making a lot more money in California, but when you put the state and federal taxes together, it's pretty much the same percentage-wise as what I'm paying right now. But in terms of what I get for it, like, you know, uh, public transportation is like, I haven't driven in almost a year. I don't miss it at all. Oh, I just wow. don't like driving. That's just like me personally. You know, like the, the metro system is super convenient. It's so clean. Um, it, it feels like being in a private university where like everybody is like, pretty educated, you know, like the, the average education level is pretty high. Um, the, the water tastes so good. Just like the tap water. It's so clean. Uh, the streets are clean. I can count the number of like homeless people on the street I've seen on one hand. And that's like, you know, I live in Helsinki, the biggest city in wow. the country. Um, so, uh, the medical system, you know, so it is like socialized healthcare, 
However, I do work for a company that has like, I guess some kind of like pretty sweet, I, I don't exactly know how it works, but I guess I technically have like the like socialized medicine plus or like privatized healthcare. So I can't really make any real statements about what the socialized medicine is other than the fact that, you know, like I don't even have co-pays and I've never had to wait uh, for any kind of like a doctor appointment. I mean, I think it's also just because like the whole country not just Helsinki, the whole country is five and a half million people, which is half the size, half the population of LA County. But um, all of my experiences uh, with medical, which unfortunately I've had to go to the doctor more than I would like to here have been like super convenient. I mean, I've gotten two MRIs for free. I mean, my dad is on Medicaid and he would have to pay like you know, hundreds of dollars at least for MRIs. And I've had two for free. I haven't paid a dime and I've seen many doctors. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and the quality of care you think is good. Yeah. I mean, everyone's very educated. Everyone speaks English. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, they're as good as the doctors. I mean, in as much as I am able to tell because I'm not an expert, I haven't had to have any surgeries, but, uh, it seems, uh, you know, it seems like high quality, you know, and another thing is that like, there's not really, Every political party in Finland is basically just some shade of like green social liberalism. Like there's no, there isn't a party in Finland that doesn't believe in socialized medicine. Like yeah. there, there, there isn't the kind of polarization here uh, that there is there. Um, it's, it seems like it's a city for, it's a society for introverts. Like I feel like a, an extrovert in this country, which is crazy because I've never felt like that. Um you know, the, the best way to troll Finn is just to say hello. Cause they're just like, what the fuck did that person just say? <laughs> what, are they, what, are they, what are they doing? Uh, but you know, once you talk to them, they're all very nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, I recommend everyone visit. It's, uh, um, it's really what I needed right now. I mean, I, I, you know, recently recovering from a very extreme, um, mental health episode. And like, I really do feel like I'm living in the, like the tutorial level country, you know, like, it's just mm -hmm. like so easy out here the work culture. Oh my God. Like, I mean, people like chill, like, you know, come in at 10, leave at four, whatever, you know, you're not taking an hour for your lunch break. What are you insane? Like, you know, 30 days, uh, vacation a year, 30. Wow. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, Can the entire month of once? July. Yeah. Hell yeah. The entire month of July, <laughs> the whole country just like shuts down. It's like basically just like the whole country has like summer break. It's, it's pretty cool. So I mean, what about and, and woke woke stuff is it not there or why why is it that finland and sweden as i mentioned earlier are two countries that have that have banned uh gender so-called gender reassignment surgery until the age of 18. well it's funny you mentioned that because i only learned about that from that same bill maher clip that i watched i actually didn't know that um and having said that i don't i'm in a relationship here with a girl who's turkish and it's quite funny my girlfriend she's like a leftist in turkey but would be like a conservative in Los Angeles, you know, like, uh, you know, cause like, you know, the, the, the scales are just so different. Um, in terms of the woke stuff, I think it is here a bit. Um, you know, we have DEI at the company that I work with, uh, but it's, it's just starting. Um, and I think I'm hoping it's not going to get that bad, but it's also like, I mean, it's like the country's like 98% white. Like, you know, it's just like, all this is just kind of like silly. You know, there's not, um, you know, whatever like diversity quotas they're looking to fill, it's just not even going to happen. 
Cause like, <laughs> it's just not, I mean like the, this whole country is like going to Malibu. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, a, it's just white people everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, and like, so but they don't, they don't push the gender part of it. The, the, that part of the woke. Yeah. I mean a little bit, they do. Um, but I think also that's just cause I work for a large company. Um, and I think that probably, most large companies especially in entertainment video games are probably like that um and it is a bit annoying but uh, i'm hoping that it doesn't get too crazy um but having said that again like i actually and i think a lot of times when people travel abroad they often just end up hanging out with other expats and that's been my experience i think my girlfriend's turkish i hang out with like other turks so like, uh, you know, the Finns that I, uh, kind of communicate with are mostly at work, you know, and like work is like a very professional experience kind of thing. Mm. I know one Turkish word, Jared, it's ghoul. It means rose. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to impress my girlfriend with that. Yeah. Ghoul. It, it sounds I, like, it, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it would be a beautiful smelling flower, but it is. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I know zero Finnish. Like the only Finnish words I know are dog words. Cause like, that's another thing, man. I have never seen, like there are children, like six year olds who take the bus by themselves, who walk to school by themselves, take the Metro by themselves across town because it is that safe. Wow. Can you imagine? I, I mean, I, in Texas, California, I never saw six year olds traveling anywhere by themselves, at least not in a situation where I was like, what the fuck? Where's that person's parents? Something's obviously wrong. Right. What are the, the crime rates are pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds great. I'm glad that you're on somebody in the chat really liked your description. P forces. That's a funny way to describe Finland, the video game tutorial level country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's definitely the tutorial level. Easy. Well, thank you, Jared. I've, I've really enjoyed hanging out with you today. Yeah, me too. Thanks um, for just, the invite. Just talking to you after a while. If people want to check out your channel, and a pirate had to take off, but I know he dropped the link here. Just remind people where they can find you online. Yeah, it's just a uh, YouTube channel is my name, uh, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, last name Bauer, B-A-U-E-R. I'm also streaming on Twitch. Uh, my Twitch name is, uh, this one's going to be hard. I'm just going to type it. Into, well, I don't even know if I can do that, but I'm just gonna. But my Twitch name, uh, it's pirate. Also linked to it, it's Calsery Canet eighty seven. Calsery Canet is a word in Finnish that means getting drunk in your underwear with no aspirations to leave the house. And I'm Are trying, you? I'm trying to like globalize that term in the same way that Schadenfreude is like you know a word that yes. is technically German, but people in English use it. I'm trying to make Calsery Canet global because it's just That's, what a beautiful word. It's a real word. It's a real word that means getting drunk in your underwear with no aspirations of leaving the house. Because, again, this is a country of introverts. Like, it's just like getting drunk at home, not going out, not being social. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Most of the time, it's like all snowing and fucking cold, you know. There it is. People can see it on screen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out with a final bit of frivolity on this Monday. And I'm going to share one more. This drummer's at the wrong gig with you as we go out. <laughs> okay, let's see. Thanks for humoring me. This yeah. might be the this might be the best one.
many drummer videos. <laughs> He's like a really good drummer. <laughs> Can't be easy in that suit. Yeah. <laughs> okay that's enough okay. of that <laughs> thank you carrie i'm gonna cook something up yeah if you're down to also come on my channel we can i'll think yeah. of something fun Okay, cool. Let's do. I would love to come on your channel and hang out. So I love talking to you. And oh yeah, me you have too. A, have you have a good night? I know it's late there. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Please go and visit Jared's channel. And uh, again, if you're in the Austin area, I'll be speaking at a panel Friday, June 10th, with Megan Murphy. And I'll put the link in the show description. And uh, if it's your first time here, please consider liking and subscribing. Thank you guys. Bye. <laughs>